If you want to be a premier cop, then you need to learn from the premier police training company in the land. Of course, I'm talking about Street Cop Training. They've got dozens of instructors out in the field right now, sharing their expertise in narcotics, interdiction, report writing, first aid, mental health, case law, and just quality police work. And those aren't even all the topics. There's literally something for everybody. I've attended several classes myself, and I can tell you that these folks cannot miss. Dennis Benino, the owner, is doing massive things for the world of law enforcement at a time when everyone else seems to be running away from it. Street Cop Training is literally the best in the business. Check out their private Instagram and join their law enforcement-only Facebook group to get free trainings, and then check out upcoming in-person and on-demand trainings at streetcop.com. You will not be disappointed. This episode of the 10A Podcast is sponsored by TOC Public Relations, the only PR, marketing, and strategic communication firm that specializes in working with public safety agencies, associations, and businesses. TOCPR is also the parent company of Law Enforcement Social, which provides social media, PIO, and content creation training for all public safety. Be sure to check them out at TOCPublicRelations.com and LawEnforcement.Social. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 podcast, Cops in Canada with Thin Blue Scribble. You shouldn't have to tell that to people. You should just not be violent to people anyway. Oh my god, I think this is what I want to do. I used to work in wildlife biology. I could keep banging on locked doors or I could actually pursue my secret childhood dream and what have I got to lose? I'm not a Mountie, so no hat. Sorry to disappoint you. And that's pretty much the same as what a Canadian assault is, except Canadians apologize after. Dude, why did you let him out? Are you surprised? I'm not. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm your host 108. This is episode 230 Cops in Canada. What's going on everybody? Let's go ahead and list what Canada is great for. Poutine, Ryan Reynolds, maple syrup, ice hockey, Jim Carrey, and Canuck Cups. Well, ladies and gentlemen, go ahead and add one more item to that list, and that is going to be Thin Blue Scribble. That's the guest for my episode tonight. She is a police officer in Canada, or Canada. I don't know how you properly pronounce it, but anyway, she's a police officer there. She does amazing cartoons that are police-related, and she is our guest today. Her name is Liv. She goes by the Instagram handle Thin Blue Scribble, and she just makes police-related cartoons. They're they're amazing, nice and funny. And like I say in the interview, it's wholesome. It's wholesome, and uh, it's good 
good fun for everybody involved. Uh, that being said, guys, I really don't have much to lead into, just that this is going to be a nice Canadian episode, eh? Which means we're going to be nice, we're going to be happy, we're going to be polite as all get out. And, uh, you know, as I was getting ready for this episode, I don't know a lot about Canada. I know that, you know, hockey's big, maple syrup, uh, Tim Hortons used to be good and it sucks now. That's really all I really know about Canada. Oh, and that the Mounties aren't on horses anymore, which is just wild, man. Change the name. If you ain't the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, then change your name. Call it the Canadian Federal Police or something like that. Don't don't get my hopes up that you guys are just patrolling out here in horses if you're not. Anyway, I started thinking about, like, what it would be like to respond to calls in Canada. I mean, you might respond to a domestic and it's an Eskimo. And that's that's kind of wild. Or, like, it might be a domestic involving a moose. Uh, but, you know, I live in Florida, and I keep hitting my microphone. <laughs> I live in Florida, and the big thing in Florida, right, people can't drive or they get angry for absolutely no damn reason. Road rage, right? Road rage is a big deal. So I was like, what would road rage be like in Canada? Well, luckily for you, uh, I illustrated that in this skit that I'm about to play for you. So check it out and then check out my interview with Liv, a.k.a. Thin Blue Scribble. Check it out. Enjoy. And here we go. Okay, sweetie, I'm going to go ahead and, and head over to Timmy Holes and get us some Timbits. And I'll see you in a few hours, eh? Okay. Okay. Okay, don't know, that's fine. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, let's see. Where where did I put my, my bare naked ladies TV? Oh oh I think I dropped it. Oh, hey, why don't you watch where you're going, you hoser? Oh that that's real nice. Real nice. Yeah. How about you come over here and I will tell you why you're such a nice person, okay? Oh, you're going to flip me off? Well, I'm going to give you one of these. That's a that's a thumbs up for you, buddy. Thank you. Oh, oh, you know what I heard? I heard your mother is a real nice lady. I'd like to meet her sometime. Hey, where'd you learn to drive? I'd like to take my son there one day. Oh, okay, do that again. Do that again and watch what happens to you. Hey, you want to go to Timmy Holes? I'm about to get some Timbits, eh? I was a few months into the field training portion of my recruit training and 
my trainer and I were at a sudden death. And it was, it was quite sad. I mean, the guy had died of natural causes, but because it wasn't in a hospital or a medical facility, police had to attend. Now, I'd been holding my pee for what felt like forever, and I really, really, really needed to use the bathroom. And I don't like asking people if I can, like, hey, I'm just this random cop in your house, can I please use your bathroom? But I mean, it was, it was a cold yellow and then some, so... <laughs> Without thinking, I asked the grieving widow, do you mind if I use your bathroom? I'm dying right now. Oh. Oh. I, <laughs> I yeah. wanted to turn in. I couldn't put the words back in my mouth after they were gone, but I wanted to turn invisible and just sink into the floor into oblivion at that moment. I felt so <laughs> stupid. Yeah. She did yeah. let me use the bathroom, though. Well, that's good. That's good, at yeah. least. I mean, I feel like the, the foot and mouth moments that we have as cops are so bad like we don't mean anything bad by it but you know it just kind of comes off the cuff that way well it's like I, oh man i'm just dying can i use your bathroom uh-huh. uh, oh hey your dead husband's right beside me hey i'm dying can i use your bathroom yeah yeah i uh, had one where i mean luckily the family wasn't there but we were working a suicide by hanging and oh, when the medical examiner walked in that in the room she goes hey you guys in here i said yep we're just hanging out i was like <laughs> Oh, it's so bad, but yeah. I laugh. And then, yeah. and then me being of quick wit, I was like, some of us better than others. And then I motioned to the dead guy. So, I mean, everyone kind of was like, really? I was, I thought it was a great joke, but you know, again, luckily the family wasn't there, but that was kind of a, all right, this is a little, a little, a little dark for my taste. Like, I mean, the, the one story I always tell is that when I was in field training, uh, it was actually, it was weird. It was in a nursing facility and there was a death. But we had to show up anyway, which is kind mm-hmm. of odd. And uh, as the family is in there grieving, I'm standing there and uh, to make sure they don't, you know, massacre the body or whatever. Right. And my cell phone goes off and it, the, my ringtone was the, the cops theme. So you just start hearing bad boys and my FTO <laughs> looks at me and goes, really? I was like, I didn't know it was going to go off this moment. I like, how was I going to be able to? So. Ever since then, that was a teaching moment. I just left my phone on silent or vibrate forever. Like, I don't know if I even have a ringtone. Like, I don't even. Yeah, I usually keep mine on vibrate in my pocket. But then sometimes my phone gets weird about not ringing. So, I don't Uh know. Technology. Yeah, it's it's kind of, uh, I don't know. It's just one of the, again, it's a foot and mouth kind of thing. Like, ah, didn't mean for it to happen. And luckily, in my case, the family was okay with it. It sounds like the family was okay with it in yours. But... I feel like a lot of these stories, when when people tell me their their funny rookie story, it's always about a dead body. Almost always, I would say oh. nine times out of ten is a dead body story. Either that's interesting. It is. It is. I, I feel, and those are like usually the simple calls. You know, you just kind of have to stand there and and stand yeah. by to stand by. But um, yeah, a few weeks ago we had one. It was a dead body. A lot of them, and I, I feel like that's like the the common denominator for all cops. You know, you may not have ever been in a shooting, a foot chase, or a car chase, but you have dealt with a dead body. So when we tell that story, it's like, I can relate to that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. And we have today, live from Canada. The second of our international guests, we have Liv. You may know her from 
Instagram as Thin Blue Scribble. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is my absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward this to this for some time. I put the polar bears out in the yard, so I'm good to go. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Very good. Um, I see you're wearing short sleeves. I was actually surprised that you're not in like a full-on Eskimo costume or something like that. Hey, it's actually spring here. The snow's melting. I can see my yard again. My car is absolutely filthy and will be now for the rest of the year. Oh, okay. Perfect. I, uh, I had a coworker who she's from Canada and then she came down to Florida and then she moved back to Canada. And so every time she sends me a picture or, you know, I see her post something on Instagram, uh, she's always bundled up and there's snow and she's snowmobiling and stuff like that. So it's just, I mean, in my mind, Canada is just this frozen wasteland, but I, I, I've heard the rumor is that you guys actually do have seasons. We do. We have four of them. One's winter, which is the one everyone seems to think about right now. It's spring, which means everything's kind of this dull brown color and everything's covered in mud. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And won't be leafy for another month. Like we won't see anything green except dandelions. Maybe they'll pop up. Okay. Okay. Well, at least you got that. And then like a, a, a summer, like, does it get hot up there? I mean, I don't know how far north you are, but. It gets pretty hot here. And last summer we had a really disgusting heat wave that was for like a month. Now, I don't know Fahrenheit, so uh-huh. I don't know what it would have been in Fahrenheit. But we had a bunch of days where it was close to plus 40. And okay, I will. Right. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Hold on. I'm Googling it because I don't know celsius to fahrenheit it's 104 degrees in fahrenheit that's that's toasty it gets really hot here in the summer and then it gets really cold in the winter so there's like a i want to say like 40 degree variance on either side of freezing we get everything we get tornadoes (coughs) blizzards i have allergies right now because it's spring yeah wow so you guys have the all four seasons it reminds me when i used to live up north so that's that's not too uh too uncommon then i guess it's just i i feel like we all just kind of assume that it's you know everything's just ice and cold and and all times you know and it doesn't get warm at all and now it looks like you guys had probably a hotter summer than i did down here Mm, it was it was absolutely gross and my house doesn't have air conditioning so i was just cranky for a month straight Mm. i looked forward to going to work because i could be in air conditioning okay okay so yeah, I before I moved to Florida, my my houses didn't have uh, central air or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was all just if you had a window unit, it was kind of you were in the lucky room, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so central air down in Florida is like a necessity. It, it comes oh with the, every house has it and everything like that. Um, right. So now you know I've lived here for twelve some years. It's almost second nature to me. Like I can't imagine a house without it. But you know it's different climates i guess have different um different specifications or whatever it might be so you are a police officer and you are up in canada how long have you been on the job this is my fifth year okay all right and um what are what is your current capacity what do you do right now i currently work in collision investigation but up until last year i worked in patrol so i do a lot more math now i just started a 10-week course it's actually through the uh university of northern florida i think okay in collision analysis so in pre-covid days they would actually send us to florida but thanks covid now i get to just do it online that's not as fun actually one of uh one of our traffic guys he's in a class right now did you just start it like today or yesterday yeah yesterday um is today monday today's monday 
Okay, I never know what day it is. Nope, neither do I. You're perfectly fine. I had to look yeah, at the Yeah, I totally just started today. Maybe we're on the same course. You might be. Is So now you're doing it online. Are you like seeing a live class as it's going on? Or is it like just like PowerPoint, like a college class? I think they're pre-recorded. I haven't logged in yet. I should today and get that ball mm. rolling. Okay. Because the, uh, yeah, because one of our traffic guys, he said that he was going to be up in North Florida. And so very, very well, maybe taking the same course. That'd be crazy. I'll tell him I'm jealous that he's there and I'm not because I wouldn't, I haven't traveled anywhere in like three years and could use a trip. Ooh, so yeah, that's, that's rough. I, um, I got to finally travel for a course, uh, last year, a little over a year ago now. And I, I never did. I mean, I had, I had a bunch of years on, but I was supposed to travel out to West Florida for a class. I was supposed to travel, whatever. And then I got to travel and just, I don't know if you've, for everyone listening, if you've never traveled for police purposes, like work purposes, it's debauchery and just nonsense. And just, (laughs) it's just the, uh, you know, I mean, yes, there's some learning that goes on too, but you know, get a bunch of cops in a room. Someone's bound to do something stupid. I went to actually the last time I traveled was in November of 2019. And it was to a, policing like problem solving conference that was in santa cruz california that was a blast i had such a hoot there i would totally go back to that part of california um do you know wait when was it it was when or what both it was in early november of 2019 okay and it was i think it was like problem oriented policing or i don't remember the official okay so Hold on. Ready? Ready to blow your mind here? Hold the phone. I've got my problem-oriented policing book right here. And I was on a problem-oriented policing unit for about a year and a half. Cool. And hold on. It's going to get even weirder. Uh, My sergeant and like five of our units was at that conference in Southern California. Shut the front door. I was there. Yeah. So yeah, they were. And I actually, so that unit is now disbanded. So I'm putting together like a slideshow for, uh, for we're doing like a dinner on Saturday mm-hmm. and um, yeah. I'm, so I have pictures actually of them in California. So that's crazy that you're, you're talking about that. That's crazy that you were there. Um, what did you think of the course? what did you think of the, the conference? I enjoyed it a lot. I took a lot of notes. I tried to kind of soak up as much information as I could and then promptly forget it every night when I had alcohol at dinner. So See, exactly. That's exactly what happens when you travel for police work. I So I actually had the head of the problem-oriented policing center on the show last year. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it, it's pretty interesting. He invited me, I mean, not like exclusively. He was like, hey, come on over to, right. I think this past year they did it in Wisconsin or Michigan or something. And I was like, hmm. call me when you're back in warm California because I don't want to go all the way up to the to the cold I don't want to go to Michigan. That's in Wisconsin. That's like here. That's like basically Canada. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm, so I was like, all right, call me when you get to like Arizona or Texas or something. Like uh, my girlfriend's going to a conference in August in California and I'm trying to figure out how I can fit in her suitcase. So that way I can uh, go with her. Does she get a plus one? No, she does. Uh. Technically she doesn't, but I'm sure, you know, I could just tag along and now that it's a it's a dispatching conference and now that i'm a dispatcher maybe i'll be able to get my agency to go they won't i already know they won't but maybe i can get them to say oh he can go this time too but 
So what of your of your policing experience, what are some calls that you love working? What are some calls that you hate working? Like obviously crashes because you're now part of that team, but which, you know, that's that's math and that's a totally different conversation. But, you know, what else what other specialties do you see you uh, being attracted to down the way? Well, I really, really detest domestics. So I don't think I ever want to investigate domestic violence. Like those kind of calls, like I have a lot of respect for people who have the patience to thoroughly investigate them, but they just made me want to pull my hair out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Especially when court time came and no one wants to testify anymore. It's like, awesome. Thanks guys. Yeah. Cool. And I feel like a lot of people who aren't cops, domestic violence is when you say, Oh, I hate working domestics. Everybody who's not a cop is like, dude, you're so heartless. Like it's such an important thing. And I say, absolutely. When it's a true victim and they really are pressing charges and whatever, hundred percent. I love working those cases. Cause that's a, that's instantly something that we can do to fix a problem, hopefully. But there's so much, and I'm, I don't know if it's the same up there, but when I worked them, it was just baby mama drama and just trying to get the other one in trouble and, you know, things like that. And where you, they'll teach you day one in the police Academy, a domestic violence call is one of the most dangerous calls you'll go on. hundred percent. And you think about that, that risk versus reward and it's like all right i'm risking myself for this domestic only for them to drop charges or not want to press charges at all you know what i mean it's just it's very frustrating i can think of a file i had a few years ago where we had a very willing complainant who gave an excellent statement there were independent witnesses like it was i want to say one of it was the best domestic violence file i'd ever ever done like it involved a bunch of interviews like recorded all sorts of stuff medical records and there were about eight charges laid against the accused at the time and then COVID happened and court got delayed and delayed and delayed and then it finally late last year saw the light of day in a courtroom and the accused was offered a deal where mm. I will I'll plead guilty to one charge of simple assault if all the other charges, which included sexual assault, strangulation, like assault causing bodily harm, he assaulted a child during the course of this, Jeez. all got dropped. I was furious. Months of work down the drain because his defense lawyer and the Crown, I don't know, they finagled a pretty sweet deal. Like, cool, so all of this is going to go away. And you just, you got one charge. Cool. Right. Cool. Right. Justice. And I'm guessing he either didn't serve time or he served a much reduced penalty. I don't think he ever saw the inside of a jail cell. I think he got probation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's ridiculous. And a lot of times here, like they'll, they'll kick them loose, especially if they're a first time offender and they'll say, all right, well, you're going to get a restraining order. You can't go within X amount of feet or yeah, pretty much. The, the, the craziest one I ever heard. And this is common down here is you can have contact, but no violent contact. That's literally a, what? a yeah, that's literally a cause. And, and that's I'm like, a thing? yes. And I go, well, well, you know, you know, judge, um, that's how life's supposed to be. You're supposed to have no violent contact with you somebody. You shouldn't have to tell that to people. You should just not be violent to people anyway. Right. And I'm, I'm thinking like the fact that you have that in a restraining order is completely useless. Like if he's going to punch her, he's going to punch her. Like it's, it. Oh, this piece of paper says I shouldn't. I'll be good. Right. Right. I was like, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then it just, 
just the the restraining orders in general they don't work like there's no magical force field that's going to keep somebody 500 feet away from him or whatever meters it is for you i, I wish <laughs> yeah no instead they're going to come and they're going to continue continue and the only way to truly protect a victim is to keep the person locked up i feel like that's yeah. the only way and here too and so the way it is for us if you go to a domestic and there's obvious signs that someone got injured or hurt or you know whatever has been alleged that you have proof that it happened the and the, the victim doesn't want to press charges the state will press charges which sounds great the guy goes to jail for the night mm-hmm. but a lot of times the judge or whoever when they make first appearance will say well you know that was a one-time occurrence uh it's obviously not ongoing because he's locked up so we're just gonna and she doesn't want to press charges anyway we're just gonna wash our hands of the whole thing yeah and i'm like that is that's wonderful thanks a lot that's that's a great way to yeah it's terrible and uh you know working basically anything at this point i feel like is almost you're you're peeing up a rope at this point like there's there's nothing that you're it's one of the many things that led me to step away from the job i felt like it was i was putting myself in harm's way all too often for something that wasn't going to go anywhere you know what i mean that's fair. So it's it's very frustrating. So I I'm I'm with you 100 percent on the uh, domestic detestment. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, now crashes, on the other hand, they are interesting, and we're not going to bore everybody with all the math and everything. But um, I was I worked crime scene for a long time, so I got to work a lot with our traffic crash reconstructionists and things like that, taking pictures. And I was I was buddies with the one that uh, worked a lot of my scenes, so. She got to teach me all these different things. What drew you to that? What made you want to go that route? I had a light bulb moment when I was in recruit class and we had a whole week that was devoted to, I mean, both traffic enforcement and also basic collision investigation. And it was totally the light bulb over my head. Oh my God, I think this is what I want to do. This is so cool. Mm -hmm. I come from a science background. So I've, I guess I've done lots of math before and it was like seeing a venue where i could apply some skills that i already had sure sure what what science background do you have i used to work in wildlife biology okay and what did you do with that no uh, nothing <laughs> no collected no i collected a couple of university degrees and couldn't find work in my field if i'm being mm. honest so, so is that what made you choose policing or was it something else no that was part of it it was i don't know just like a whole combination of factors where I'd finished university and I was in a situation where I was having a lot of difficulty finding work in my field and I'd also thought about policing since I was in my early teens I thought it was really cool and admirable and where I grew up in a small town we had the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and no they don't ride horses except in the musical that's one of the questions I had written down but (laughs) I wish they did because that would be so cool because horses are cool but It was sort of like, you know, I'm kind of at a crossroads in my life. I could keep kind of banging on locked doors or I could actually pursue my secret childhood dream. And what have I got to lose? Sure, sure. Absolutely. That's very similar to to my story. Basically, I I didn't get to finish uh, my second post-secondary education college down here. And um, because I kept running into walls. I used to say not locked doors. Like I would want every career path that I wanted had to get a college degree and I would hit the door and I'd be like, all right, let's try a different one. And I go a different one. And then I found policing and I was like, Oh, well you don't need a college degree for that. Let's go and see what happens. Um, 
and it's you know it's a very similar and yeah my my father was a police officer and i had some family that involved in law enforcement too do you have anybody in your family police related or no not that i'm aware of as far as i know i'm the only person okay. in my family my wow. dad was a teacher and my mom was a college instructor so lots of teaching background mm-hmm. okay so then just your experience as a kid that just made you want to try it out yourself my best friend's dad was an rcmp officer so i spent a lot of time over at her house and he would i remember one time he drove us to school in the police van and that was very cool and mm-hmm. we saw behind the state kind of behind the scenes at the local police station which was very very tiny mm-hmm. but it was still pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you, you talk about the Mounties and uh, I've got a patch for them somewhere on my board here. And I, I, one of the first things when I started conversing with people on Instagram and from Canada, I was like, so tell me about the Mounties. Like, I was like, do they really just patrol in horses? I was like, do they know what year it is? And then they were like, no, they don't. I was like, oh. I was like, well, they should. I was like, could you imagine I like a, a high speed pursuit on a horse? Like that could be very fun. I would, I would watch that. Yeah, absolutely. It would. It reminds me of that scene in in one of the Shreks where they're doing that, where they have the horses and they're chasing after the cart or the carriage. Oh yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah. When I I looked up, I was talking to somebody. One of one of my giveaways, I think somebody from super up north. He sent me a picture, and he was he had like frost on his mustache when he was working <laughs> patrol. Um, we were talking, and he goes, "I was because." My my knowledge of Canada is very limited, and I think we did Canadian, you know, in grade school, we talked about Canada very, and I was assigned, like, Nunavut, or, like, the Northwest Territory, like, somewhere yeah. super up. So I was like, what's it like to police up there? And he sent me a documentary on YouTube, and it showed, like, the cops in the station, and, like, you know, your backup may have to come in from helicopter or airplane, like, you're yeah. on your own. I was like, nope, that's, no, like, what are you going to do, I'm wrestle good. a polar bear? I'm yeah, good. No. <laughs> so are you so you're not a mountie you're, are you uh you work in like a big city a small town or if you are a mountie let's see the hat i'm not a mountie so yeah. no hat so oh, okay. to disappoint you i work for a municipal agency in a big city okay okay so another thing so and then i tried to figure out the difference between the mounties and the the uh province police and things like that so you guys have um so your cities have police mm-hmm. and then your provinces have police yeah and then the yes and no yes and no okay so some do some don't i will i will do my best to explain yes please do most big canadian cities have their own police agency okay then the rcmp are usually in the rural areas okay all across canada so regardless of what province or territory you're in they are not the canadian equivalent of the fbi which is something i have been asked we don't really have an equivalent of that okay a couple of provinces, like Ontario, have a provincial police service. Like Ontario has the OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police. And I think Quebec does as well, but really nobody else does. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a city, you're going to have your own agency. If you're in a small town like where I grew up or anywhere else, you're going to have RCMP. Okay. Okay. I have a Quebec patch too. I was looking for it when you said that because I wanted to see if that was a province police or something, but I can't, of course, when I'm looking for it, I can't find it. Oh, well. um, okay. So that makes sense. And I mean, the something, so I spoke to a guy from Germany 
a few weeks ago, probably about a month or so ago. And oh. something that I've noticed, like the trend with these international police agencies is that there's like a national police force where yeah. like you, your cities have them too, but the police, like that, I, there really isn't an equivalent in the United States where like you work for the, I mean, there's federal agencies, but they don't patrol towns or cities. They just, yeah. you know, they, everyone has their own little box that they work in. So it's interesting to me that there is a national police force that you guys have. And it's the Mounties over there. Mm-hmm. So, so on today's uh, thin blue scribble, uh, you started talking about all the different legal legal issues and uh, differences between Canada and America. Now, when I inter- interviewed my my friend from well, not my friend, but the guy from uh, Germany, uh-huh. I was surprised that there were many similarities in their laws. Like they they uh, they had case law, they had the Bill of um, I don't know if they had called it the Bill of Rights, but they adhered to like the Miranda rights that the United States have, things like that. And then I'm looking at your post today and you're like, nope, we don't have that. So teach me what, what is, what's going on up in Canada? There are a lot of similarities. I mean, both American and Canadian law are based on British law. So that's sort of the grandparent to both of our legal systems. But I think the biggest difference and correct me if I'm wrong, is that criminal law in the States varies from state to state. Correct. It does not in Canada. There is one set of, it's called the Criminal Code of Canada. It's one set of, here's things, don't do this, this is criminal, don't do any of these things in a book that applies basically to the whole country. Now, other things like municipal laws, which you call ordinances in the States, Mm -hmm. I think we just call them bylaws or provincial laws like traffic law and stuff like that is decided on a province by province basis. But criminal okay. stuff is consistent across the entire country. Interesting. So, yeah. It, so, for example, um, what people up in New York will call an assault in Florida is a battery. What people... <laughs> okay. I've always wondered what battery was and then what makes it aggravated. Like, I, I put so, batteries in my calculator. Right, right. Okay, so here we go. This is this is Florida Law 101. Okay. So, an, an assault, right is a threat by word or act that would cause someone to be fearful that an act of violence is upon them. And, and there that's has pretty to be much the same as what a Canadian assault is, except okay. Canadians apologize after. Ha ah, no, they don't. <laughs> I bet. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry, um, sorry. And then the, uh, a battery is the, um, the intentional touching or striking against somebody. Okay. So to make it aggravated means that there's a weapon involved for both of them. So if I, so to kind of dumb it down. If I shoot at you and I yeah. miss, that's an aggravated assault. If I okay. shoot at you and hit you, but I don't kill you or I hit you with a bat, that's an aggravated battery. Okay. So uh, things like that. Or for example, in New York, uh, for some reason, that's just my, my, basis they have breaking and entering which sounds pretty you know you break in you enter there you go you enter down here down here we just call it a burglary okay yeah so and which is kind of you know because when you're talking in past tense like oh were you burgled last night (laughs) like no i was broken into oh you were breaking you know what i mean it's just yeah yeah so it's just little nuances like that but that's how it differs from state to state and Furthermore, you know, you look at just actual laws and how they are uh, enforced. People up in New York enforce things way differently than we down in Florida do and vice versa. Um, 
so when you're talking about the Canadian criminal uh, code or criminal law, whatever you said it was, are you all instructed that regardless of where you work, we're going to enforce and we're going to um, punish the same way? As far as punishment goes, I mean, you we if I could arrest someone for, let's say, a simple assault, Joe punches Bob. That's a simple assault. If Joe had a stick in his hand, then it's assault with a weapon. Okay. If he punches Joe and Joe loses consciousness and gets a brain bleed, now it becomes an aggravated assault because there's an aggravating factor that's made it much worse. Joe dies, then maybe now it's a murder. But I digress. So let's say one guy punches another guy. I could arrest that person. And let's say they have no prior criminal record. He has a good address that he lives at. He... There's no reason to think that repetition of this offense is going to be an issue. We know who he is. I guess I should preface this. So there's an acronym, RICE. So when you're deciding whether or not to release someone on paper, so like, here's your court date, don't miss it, or you'll be in big trouble. Or guess what? You're going to go to jail and speak to a judge about your release. Some Mm -hmm. criteria have to be met. And the acronym we've used is RICE. So repetition of the offense, is this person going to keep doing the thing? identity do we know who they are do they lie through their teeth and make up some stupid name um see are they gonna for court are they gonna bother to attend court or do they always miss their court date and then it goes to warrant and e is there evidence that needs to be preserved so usually for us like our rule of thumb is if those criteria are met then they're often released on a piece of paper with a court date but if that guy's just gonna go back to beating up his old lady or breaking and entering or burglaring or whatever it is, then maybe some stricter conditions need to be opposed. Like don't go here. Like you get an area restriction or you can't have contact with this person or you can't possess knives or you can't be intoxicated Mm -hmm. in public. Not that that means people are going to abide by those. Right. Right. Like we were talking about. Sure. So we can, we can decide like how to release someone, but I mean, Anything up and beyond that, the courts decide, and that's totally out of our hands. I understand. So uh, yeah. your rice criteria to release people on paper, we were where I worked, that was called a, a notice to appear. So, but you can only use it for either city ordinances or misdemeanor, certain misdemeanors, um, yeah. and th- and then you could release them. I know now things are getting a little bit more lenient, you know, uh, with COVID and and just kind of the way the legal system's going right now. Um, oh, here too. People, you know, people by meaning uh, lawmakers and law enforcers, not the law enforcement officers, though, uh, don't want people in jail. So it's, you know, you really need to start committing felonies and, and injuring people to get put to jail. And it's it's very frustrating as someone who's, you know, job it's job security. Sure. But it's still frustrating. It is, too. Like I, I arrested a guy who ra- who crashed a stolen car and then ran away and he was a criminally suspended driver a, a few weeks ago he ended up getting remanded I think for like 10 days or something like that and then out of curiosity a couple of days ago I looked this guy up to see if he was still in or out and every day since he'd been released he'd committed a new crime for like five straight days until he was eventually remanded again I was like dude why did you let him out come mm-hmm. on are you surprised I'm not right there was a guy when I was working, when I was on the, the pop unit and um, 
he was a notorious drug dealer, but he was violent also. Like it's one thing just to deal it, but he was violent. He would break into things. Um, in a three years and and his his criminal history, like his rap sheet was about two hundred pages of eight by ten pages. It was huge. Um, he's been committing crimes since the seventies. <sighs> so, uh, I got him on a well, I did, and I was literally just the arresting officer. I had nothing to do with it. But he broke into a car. He gave the key to the car to his buddy. I was arresting the buddy for um, domestic, something totally separate. I found the key. I was like, hey, where'd you get the key? He told me, hey, Joey gave it to me and blah, 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 blah. blah. I was like, perfect. We hooked him up. That's how that happened, right? Well, that guy, we thought we finally had him. And I even, I worked with the prosecutor and he's like, you know, we really want to get this guy in for a couple of years. Like we finally got a good case on him. Went to a trial. The jury found him not guilty. Absolutely. And that's the CSI effect. Basically, uh, because we didn't dust for prints that day, because it uh. you know, it was uh, it was wet and like, you know, th- you know rainy or whatever, uh, we couldn't dust for prints. And because people think, oh, CSI, you're supposed to get prints to prove that someone committed a crime, we lost the case, even though we had other evidence. Then there was no possible way you could have cuz I don't right. know but they, and even though I explained that even though I'm not a subject matter expert in it even though I explained that to their to the jury they didn't care. So then years later we got him on a, a good drug charge only after he committed more crimes. Um the judge wouldn't keep him because of covid. He went out, he's he beat up his old lady, so on and so forth. So I definitely understand and it's very frustrating. Um so Back to your back to your law of Canada. Uh, I know you said that there are. This is I know some of this, but I'm I'm kind of going to ask these questions for the the listenership as well. Um, you said something to the effect of that there is no Bill of Rights in Canada. Is that what you said? Oh no, there's there's very much a Bill of Rights, but it's called the Canadian Constitution. Okay, and it's our version of the Bill of Rights. It outlines the rights that every citizen of Canada has. So we absolutely do have a constitution and it's just called something different. People yeah. who don't know what it's called, call it the Bill of Rights, but it's not the Miranda rights. Like we do have a thing that we read people when they're arrested. It's you read somebody, their charter rights okay. and their standard caution. So the charter rights is this is why you've been arrested. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to call a lawyer? And then the caution is you don't have to say anything to me. And if they're screaming, it's like, dude, you have a right to silence. Please exercise it. <laughs> right. Please exercise your right to silence right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, so now it sounds like you've got these things. They just sound, they're either named differently or they may be executed a little differently. They have different names, different wording, but they really do the same things. They explain someone to someone why they've been arrested and what their legal rights are after they've been arrested, like the right to counsel and the right to not say anything. Gotcha. So what's the difference between a misdemeanor and a felony? Or you don't, you said you don't have those. So what, what is the Canadian equivalent? Okay. The Canadian equivalent is a misdemeanor. A a misdemeanor is a sorry and a felony is a big sorry. Yeah, exactly. Is it a little (laughs) sorry or a big sorry? So for Canadians, it would be a, summary offense for a misdemeanor or an indictable offense for a felony and then there are some things that are dual offenses so they can be prosecuted as either a felony or a misdemeanor such as a simple assault if depending on the context interesting so it's it's just 
it kind of, I mean, I, I get, I get exactly what you're saying. It kind of is more of a, like a nuanced thing, you know? So I, I kind of get the, the, the riff that you're going with in this drawing. So I guess that's a great intro. So how I know you and how much of the Instagram world knows you is through your Instagram handle, thin blue scribble. How did that all come up? It started before I was even hired back in over 2015 and 2016, where I kind of had the idea in my head that I wanted to apply, but realized I was in terrible shape and actually needed to start working out if I was ever going to hope to pass any kind of physical assessment. So Mm -hmm. I started going to a workout group for people who were interested in getting hired. And I started going to a gym and working with a personal trainer. And I realized how much I hate those things. (laughs) So (laughs) I started drawing a cartoon about how much I hated working out, but still did it anyway. It was the same character, just dressed differently. Mm-hmm. And when eventually I did get hired and went through training, I continued drawing the cartoons because then it became a way to express my sometimes frustration with training because it was hard and it was frustrating and arduous and thankless sometimes. But mm-hmm. I guess just a character that sort of evolved with me where I was along my law enforcement path. Sure, sure. Now, have you always been interested in art? Have you always been drawing or is that just something you picked up along the way? I've been drawing as long as I can remember. Apparently since I've been about two, like as soon as you have the fine motor skills to hold a crayon, I was drawing. So it's, I can never think of a time in my life where I didn't. That's great. I mean, you know, we all have different things we do to de-stress and relax. And a lot of people have, you know, like music or art or things like that, things that mm-hmm. they've had from before when they were, uh, you know, not a cop or not not working this kind of profession. And, you know, some of us kind of acquire things like me with the podcast. And I think it's important because I've noticed a lot that a lot of people will suggest for you to do something that has nothing to do with law enforcement at all, right? You know, go to the gym, go fishing, go hiking or whatever. Which is fine, and I support that too. I think it's good. But I think there also needs to be a, a safe and healthy outlet for the work stress. Like, for example, your your drawings or me with the podcast where we can talk about or re-experience these feelings we have so that way we don't bury them down because I feel like we all do that all too often anyway. And it's a safe place to put them, you know? And, and the fact that you found a way to do it in a humorous way, in a safe and healthy way. Uh, It's great. Not only is it great, but so many people relate to them to the point where it's helping other people the exact same way it's helping you. I've been overwhelmed with the positive messages that I get from people, not just in Canada, but in the States and overseas. It is so cool to learn that there are so many universal truths that we share no matter where we are and where we work. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the biggest eye opener when I started my page. Cause I thought in the very beginning, I thought I was making memes for me and for my very close circle of friends. And then I start putting them on Instagram and I get people from all over the world messaging me going, yeah, no, that happens here too. And I was, I was like, nah, people are messing with me at first. And then it just kept going and growing. And it's, it's crazy that we all have these shared experiences and we just don't realize it. Oh, totally. Like I, like you, I I wrote them for me and I had written them for a long time before they ever went online. And it was like, 
is this going to be okay? Do I feel okay putting myself just out there into the universe and seeing what kind of feedback I get? And it was like, I'm not the only one. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I wish I had an eighth of your artistic and creative ability. I, I, no problem. I I enjoy everything you put out. Um, it's because it is relatable, even, you know, with the, with the international differences. I mean, it's, it's so relatable. Um, you and I, for everyone that doesn't know, we teamed up and we did, she drew the cartoon and I came up with the idea and it was, it was so much fun just, you know, cause I get ideas, but I have no artistic ability to put them to paper. And so to have someone like you in the world where I'm like, Hey, I got this idea. You want to help me out with it? And then you just do it and not only do it, but you do it with expert precision. It was just amazing. And it's it just, every time I see a new post, it's just, it's so, I don't know. It's relatable, but it's also like wholesome where it's like, Oh man, that's, that's a good one. Like, I don't know. Like, cause you know, cops have a dark sense of humor, but yours don't go that way. Yours is just like, yeah, that's, that's exactly, that's a feeling. And I don't know. It's, I enjoy seeing your, your material all the time. The funny thing about the one that I published this morning is I'd actually been thinking about that one for about two straight years and I wasn't sure anyone else would find it funny. And I was like, I don't know what to write. I'll just draw that one. Mm -hmm. I drew it up yesterday and posted it this morning and People have been going nuts. It's been great. Yeah, for sure. How long does it take you to to come up with a, a comic? Or oh, it drug? really depends. Sometimes it'll just be like a bolt from the blue and like, oh my God, get me to a paper pad right now. And then I'll other times I'll have like a drought that goes for weeks and it's like, well, shit, I'm out of ideas. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's how it is with the memes too. And I feel like the memes make it difficult because I, my content you know relies on the picture already existing somewhere and i just got to find it and put it together or find one that exists and put the words together you know and that's Mm -hmm. that's why when i couldn't find it and i and i found you i'm like all right here's here's what i got uh and we 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 made we made it work um so take me through the creative making process of of one of your illustrations is it and you know i i keep like i think i've labeled it a different thing each time what do you call them do you call them illustrations do you call them cartoons do you call them comics i don't want to bastardize whatever it is you oh, um, they're really all of those things i mean they're cartoons they're comics they're drawings i don't really call them one or the other i guess okay. they're cartoons but okay i didn't want to say cartoon and you'd be like how dare you you american <laughs> pig <laughs> no way cartoons this is my are fine. love cartoons they're my favorite thing to read is just cartoons in mm-hmm. general. But anyway, I usually think about an idea for a while before I write it down, down just so I'm like happy with the dialogue or how I think each panel is going to look. And sometimes I just really enjoy thinking about them until I've, it's like enjoying a delicious candy that no one else has tried yet. And when you're happy with it, then you can draw it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. I mean, I draw the outlines in pencil and then I use a fine tip marker to go over the pencil, erase that, color it in with pencil crayons, which Americans call colored pencils, I've learned, but we call them pencil crayons. Okay. But they're the same. They're the same. And then I usually touch up the outlines again because they get a little faded if you color over them too much. I've been experimenting lately with fancy markers and... They're very different because they bleed through the page and they're really vibrant and they don't blend as well, but that's okay. 
okay. practice. So, so everything you do is, is on paper and then what you scan it onto the computer and, and upload it that way. Yeah, pretty much. I draw them in a, a big sketchbook and I scan them with an app on my phone and there's a little bit of like post editing that I do on an app just to, you know, if I colored over the lines somewhere, I can just edit that out. Or mm-hmm. if there's a shadow or a weird spec, I can get rid of it that way. And okay. then just it's on Instagram and that's really it. Okay. I mean, that's, I mean, it's obviously working. That's great that, you know, a lot of people, they moved to digital media. So the fact that you're doing everything on a scrap or um, a sketchbook and, you know, it goes straight, straight to your phone that way. I think that's really cool. We, my girlfriend and I, we've been working on different art and designs for different merch that we've come up with and she's, she's doing the digital. And so like, I'll say like, Hey babe, I got this idea and I'll explain it to her. And then she's, you know, she'll tinker around on her iPad for, you know, a day or two. And she's like, how about this? I'm like, that's the idea. So it's, it's really cool seeing that creative process come along. So when you, when you're writing out like the dialogue in your, in your cartoons, is it, do you like write it out like a script or do you just kind of keep it in your mind and then just come up with the panels and draw it that way? Like what is the actual planning process for it? Or do you just kind of think it up and then put it to the paper? The dialogue, I just think about it and then write it down. And yeah, it's weirdly difficult to, I don't know, space printing properly. Like that's a real skill to like space it properly. I I use a ruler to make sure my words are kind of all on the same line. Okay. Letter spacing is tough. And then, you know, you write something in marker and then you have to use whiteout and fix it. That sucks. Like I forgot to put the A at the end of Miranda rights. And I noticed it this morning, like, Oh no. And then I had to like <laughs> white out the word rights and rewrite it. But then it didn't look as good because writing over whiteout just looks kind of crumbly. Sure. Sure. Especially my, my old thing, I would always write over it and it wouldn't be dry all the way. So then it would start like, like getting stuck in the gunk. It was just right. So that's, you're right. It does take a skill. Um, but I mean, like I said, you execute with, expert precision every single time it's great um okay. now you have on your website you have a website right i don't have a standalone website okay you I have that one I, I think you should now that, that's kind of where i was going with that i see you did say on your page about uh and i've seen them like you have coffee mugs for sale um what else do you have on there there's just mugs um at this point, um, a local, I guess, I'm not sure designers are the right word, but a local printer of shirts and mugs and whatnot does up uh, mugs for me. So if people want to very, you know, to be the total envy of your office and be stylish drinking your beverage, you can get a thin blue scribble mug. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was, my follow-up question with that is, do you have aspirations or plans to do more with your work? I want to get more stickers made. I did a very trial run of the These Aren't My Pants stickers uh-huh. just after the New Year. That was fun. I wish I'd made them bigger, though. They were two inches by two inches, which ended up being really small. Mm-hmm. And another time I'd make them about twice that size. But I could just sort of think of so many snippets of characters that I think would be funny as a standalone sticker, like Stacy, the triage nurse from yeah. last week, like Stacy giving you stink eye through her big glasses and the captain would be like, no time for your shit or something Oh, that'd like be that. good. That'd be really good. Oh, that would, that would be, that would be wonderful. 
yeah, I I'd buy a million of those stickers. Just I think all the different characters they you know they, there's recurring ones, and uh, you know we were you were just talking about how you you love cartoons and and the comics, and you did a poll um, a few a week or two ago talking about the your favorite comic strips growing up or, or mm-hmm. ones that you and I was like I I feel like I sent like five different ones. I was like oh Garfield, oh yeah. And, you know, it just, I used to have like two or three Garfield books that I would flip through uh, my old cubicle at my old office job before I was a cop I had like three or four Garfield uh, strips up on it just because, you know, it's just, again, it's that wholesome humor that just you enjoy. It's not going to offend anybody. And it's just, you know, it's just fun. I loved Garfield. Garfield was the first co- comic I remember really, really liking. Yeah. For me, I remember like my dad would always read the newspaper and then I would find the funny pages and I would find uh, one of my, I think the first one that I was like, Oh, I re- well, I was, I was pre uh, pre exposed to Charlie Brown because mm-hmm. my first name's Charlie. So I was like, Oh, Charlie Brown's me. Right. So I would just always read Charlie Brown and like, you know, all of his TV specials and things like that. And then uh, baby blues. That was one of the ones when I was growing up. I don't know if you know that one. Um, I'm, I've heard the title. I have no idea what it's about. It's like, it's like a family one. It's about like a mom and dad and their kids. Uh, And even growing up, even as like an eight year old kid, it was still humorous to me. And I'm sure if I reread them, I would have missed so many uh, jokes that were probably, you know, for, for adults. But between that Garfield was one I always read. And then there were just a bunch. I remember up and down the funny pages, just looking at the comics and, now that I think about it, I don't even know if there's still funny pages in newspapers or if there's even newspapers anymore. I think there's still print newspapers, but I can't remember the last time I even looked at one. Like, I read all my stuff online now. Right, right. And everything is like a web cartoon or a web comic. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there's plenty of those that are very enjoyable. Like, I, I'm a big fan of, like, Awkward Yeti. Um, oh, yeah, like, they're good. They're good. Yeah, that's, like, one of my favorite ones, uh, the heart and brain. I have actually a heart coffee mugs since we're talking about coffee mugs um you know it's just i enjoy it it's you know it um i think i share a lot on the page like dinosaur comics they're they're always yes good... i love the dinosaur ones i even bought one of their shirts did you really i did that's awesome that's awesome i i mean again talk about wholesome like they're usually like like i read them and go oh that's sweet that's sweet you know so absolutely so i'm just saying you know do do what you want i would i would kill for a uh well not not literally that's a joke everybody uh if you did like one of those daily calendars with like with your car to your characters on it that would be pretty dope i'm hoping to publish a book next year that's my big goal okay that would be great so i don't have any idea how i'm gonna do that yet i know it's not too hard to publish your own stuff on amazon but i've been Asking and receiving some very good suggestions about different programs you can use to make layouts. Because, I mean, the thing with my work is, like, I just drew them on a page, but sometimes they don't always line up. Like, I'll draw something and then I won't leave enough space to put something next to it. So I'll have multiple panels on different pages, which obviously you can fix if you scan them and Mm -hmm. then just post them in the right order. But... Yeah, that's going to be a lot of work, but mm-hmm. I think it'll be worth it. Oh, absolutely. How many, now this might be a, a tough question for you to answer. Do you know how many uh, Thin Blue Scribble cartoons you've made to date? I can tell you in a moment. I will look on my phone. Okay. Okay. So you've published every single one that you've made? I have published every single one that I've ever made. 
and I've posted 147. Okay. But I mean, a couple of those have been like the top nine of the year and whatnot. So I guess don't count those. It'd probably bore like 145. So. Okay. I, I don't think I'd put them all in a book, though. Some of them I look back and like, ah, that's actually not that funny. That's kind of dumb. It's weird when you look back at your old stuff and you're like, oh, man, that, I thought that was great back in the day. And now I'm looking yeah. at it like I was I was listening to some older podcast episodes that I've done. And I'm like, man, I remember two years ago or whatever. I thought this was so polished and clean sounding. And it sounds like complete not polished, you know, Um it's it's I think that's just where we get hypercritical of our own work and like you know you you try to compare what you're working on now to what you were whereas oh, back sure. then it was probably great you know and it stood alone on its way but you've come just so far that it kind of looks a little different. And then on the flip side of that there are some that I look back and like yeah that was really funny. Mm-hmm. Like there are there are some that I just like to look back on and I still they still really make me laugh. Like the one where if I go to bed now, I'll have eight straight hours of sleep. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. Yeah. And that That's is like, happening. no, no, I can't think of the last time I got it. Actually, you know what? Last night looking at my my Fitbit, I got pretty close. Every once in a while, I'll like just coma out and I'll get eight hours and I feel like a whole new person. Oh, same. I suck when I don't have a lot of sleep, which sometimes feels like it's all the time, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Right. I remember, uh, not too many cause now, well, are you days or nights right now? Um, both, um, we rotate through days and nights. So my schedule is always two days, two nights, and then four days off, which I don't mind because it's not really enough time to get used to either of them. So you're mm-hmm. just perpetually confused and you never know what time or day it is. That, that explains why you don't know what day it is. Yeah. Um, I never know. No, me neither. And I work days, but the problem is I enjoy being awake. You know, people say, are you a night person? Are you a day person? I like being awake. So I always go to bed too late. And then for work purposes, I wake up too early. And the other day I checked my Fitbit, which I get obsessed over. Uh, and it said I, I slept like two and a half hours and that was it. And that whole day I felt like I was in a fog at work. Just like, yeah. I could, you know, it was not, and it didn't matter. What was that? I've been there. Yeah. And it's just like, it doesn't matter how much coffee you drink, how much water you drink. You just do not. And like, I was tripping over my words as I'm talking. I'm like, this is just a bad day. I'm so sorry to everybody that's involved with me right now. So I, I totally understand that. All right. So this has been so cool. I feel like I've learned so much. If you could tell my American listeners or or even my non-American listeners, one thing about policing in Canada that they may misunderstand they may um, they may need to know. What would you say that would be? Um, oh, boy. <laughs> you're never going to get... You know what? I shouldn't say you're never going to get chased down by a cop on a horse because I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> I, I don't know. There's. I think there are more similarities than differences. But sure. don't base your knowledge of Canadian law on American TV shows. Just like... If you're a doctor, you wouldn't like to watch a hospital show because you know they do everything wrong. Right, sure. There was a... uh, Wasn't Flashpoint a Canadian police show? Wasn't that based in Canada? And how... And that's... I mean, it's probably just as over-dramatized and not accurate as American versions. I'm going to assume yes, but I've actually never seen it. Okay. I love Law & Order. I grew up watching Law & Order. Olivia Benson is my favorite fictional female cop. So of course, of course, and I think that's probably I think she's cool across the board. Uh, 
Yeah, actually, Law and Order was on TV yesterday at work, and I haven't watched a Law and Order episode in so long. But this is an older one. But still, seeing you know young Ice T and young uh, right. young Detective Stabler, it was just nice seeing it. And then I was like, all right, Princess Bride is on. I gotta watch that instead. That's but, a good one too. Yeah, yeah, you can't turn that down. So uh, we're gonna get to know you a little bit more. We're gonna play some Signal Three. We're gonna ask you some questions, see what you what your likes, dislikes, and so on are. So you ready for it? Fire away. All right, here we go. What is your dream vacation destination? I would love to go to Norway. Oh, now that's one I haven't heard before. Why Norway? Um, I have distant family there. It's beautiful and magical and full of mountains and sparkly snow and wilderness. Okay. All right. I, I, I appreciate that one. Uh, what is something that you love that everybody hates? Um, oh, gosh. Besides traffic crashes and math. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I I like crows and magpies. Everyone seems to hate them, but I like them because they're smart and they're good problem solvers. Okay. Okay. Uh, what is something that you hate that everyone loves? Bacon. I don't like bacon. Really? Yeah, really. Okay. Hold on. Now that you brought that up, what's the difference between Canadian bacon and real bacon and ham? Why, why do you call Canadian bacon Canadian bacon or is that bacon? <laughs> We actually call regular bacon bacon, like, you know, the long strips that you fry and mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. on a hamburger with your breakfast. Ham is just like a smoked pig leg and it's delicious. I love ham. Okay. Canadian bacon is what I think Americans call back bacon. Okay. So it looks like tiny ham. And I don't know. I actually don't know why it's called Canadian bacon. I don't know if any Canadian knows if any Canadian knows they can tell me because I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, years and years and years ago. Uh, I was in a band and we played with a band from Quebec and that was the first thing we said. And we were, we were stupid. We were like 19 and they were all in their like mid late twenties and you know, they were cool and we were just kids. And that was like the first thing we said, first thing we said was, Hey, what's free healthcare like? And second question was, (laughs) and the second question was Canadian bacon. What's up with that? I don't (laughs) know. I don't know anyone who even eats it. It's weird. Yeah, it's I, I I don't I'm not partial to it. You know what? Before we got to pause Signal Three for just a second because when when I when I brought up the free healthcare, my my brain started tinkering around. What's what's the the whole thing going on with? Has the truck thing finally calmed down? Like what's going on with all that? I know that's a very sore subject, but oh god, the truck thing. It's pretty much dissipated. I mean. All the COVID stuff has, all the rules have been relaxed basically everywhere okay. across the country. So it's like you threw a giant temper tantrum, you got what you wanted. What more do you possibly have to protest about? Mm-hmm. So all the protests have kind of died down. Yes, they have. Okay. Yes, they did have. you have to deal with, would you have to deal with that? I didn't directly. And that was just a sheer stroke of luck because the first two weekends it happened here, I happened to be on days off and all I could hear all day was honking. Like, that's crazy uh, yeah yeah there was, on, we were going up to where were we going we were going to a fair or something and they the, they said that the trucks were going to be on the highway that we were going to go to the festival mm-hmm. we didn't end up going but neither did the trucks but we were like ah this is so like i i'm all for america you know we're all for protesting as long as it's done legally and uh but i was like man now you're inconveniencing me and i support what you're protesting it's like <laughs> I, don't, I don't i think you're preaching to the wrong people here well uh you're totally entitled to 
your beliefs. We live in a free country. Freedom of thought is a thing. That is, that's totally okay. But it's not fair to clog up the roads and prevent normal people who, I just wanted to go get my damn groceries. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I was, um, selectively and willfully ignorant on that. I said, you know what? I'm not Canadian. It's uh, it's not my problem. Unfortunately, uh, we've got enough problems down here in America. So sorry guys. And then, you know, I was at the same time, I was like, you know, two years ago when all of our cities were burning and we had all our protests, I was like, how many Canadians came over and helped us? You know, like they, they were like, Hey, you keep that dumpster fire. We'll keep our dumpster fire. And that was my thing. I was like, you know what? Love Canada, love the food, love Alanis Morissette, but, uh, right. She's Canadian. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah she's okay. She's okay. Awesome. So, uh, you know what? Love, love what Canada does, but you guys keep your trucks up there. That, that was my, that was my takeaway that's, of all of it. You know what? That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I, I mean, I'll stick my nose where it needs to be, but that's it. Okay. No, enough with that. Let's talk about something else. That's super Canadian sure. donuts. Uh, yeah. what's your, what's your favorite donut? I would say it's a strong tie between a Boston cream. Those are okay. absolutely delicious. And I also like honey crullers. Okay. Okay. Now my follow-up question is because again, I'm, I'm a stupid American and I ask all Canadians the same questions. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, Tim Hortons. Now growing up, I was told that that is like the place for coffee and donuts. And then I meet all these Canadian cops on my page and they go, no, Tim Hortons sucks. It's terrible. What, what's the, what's the situation with Tim Hortons? Tim Hortons sucks and it's terrible, but it wasn't <laughs> always, it wasn't always terrible. It used to be I remember being much better when I was a kid. Like Tim Hortons was a really big deal for me when I was little because there wasn't one for like a several hours drive radius from where I lived. And Mm -hmm. we would drive through a city that had a Tim Hortons on our way to the lake to camp every summer. And we'd get a big box of Timbits, which are donut holes, like the big family size, like a 60 pack, the biggest (laughs) box imaginable. And then we'd have those for our camping trip. It was a once a year thing. It was a really big deal. And I remember them being delicious. However, sometime within the last couple of decades, it was bought out by, I think it's the same group that owns Burger King or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it just all went downhill. Like they don't make anything fresh. It all comes pre-frozen, pre-packaged. Their coffee tastes like water. Like I just want my coffee to taste like coffee. I don't think it's a tall order. Right. No, it's not. And that's, that's what every Canadian cop has told me is that, you know, they got bought out by whatever big company it was and And the quality. Yeah, the quality went down. So that's unfortunate. What's your so Tim Hortons out? What is uh what would be your go-to coffee donut place then? Well, there isn't really any alternatives. Like I actually think McDonald's has much better coffee. Mm. McDonald's coffee has come a long way in I'd say the past like 10 years. I remember getting it when I first started drinking coffee when I was like 18, 19, and I was like, this is absolutely terrible. Of course, again, my taste in coffee was low anyway. But now it's like I could drink that as like a tolerable cup of coffee. So I definitely agree. Do you guys have Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks up there? I'm sure you do. We have Starbucks. We don't have Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, no. Okay. That's that's shocking. Yeah, we don't. So there's some strange reason. Hmm. I've never had Dunkin' Donuts coffee or their donuts. Interesting. Interesting. Well, next time you come to America for some kind of training class, you got to put that number one on your list. Yeah, I had Jack in the Box for the first time when I was in Santa Cruz. Okay, how was that? I thought it was pretty decent for a greasy burger. Like, I wanted to try it. Like, I've never tried White Castle. I've never tried Shake Shack. I've never had Sonic. Like, there's a bunch of American fast food chains that we don't have. Mm, probably for the better. Oh, well, 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, just just thinking of you know Americans and their fast food and whatnot. Uh, next question: If you're walking into the biggest moment of your life, what song do you want to be played to hype you up? Oh, um, 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 what do I want? I think it would probably be something by Don't Laugh, Def Leppard. They were one of the first bands I really, really, really loved. Okay. All right. I can deal with that. Def Leppard. Uh, there's, there's a very off color joke about Def Leppard. Like what has five arms and sucks and it's Def Leppard. Cause their drummer only has one arm. It's what has nine arms and sucks. Cause there are oh, five members. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I knew it was something with that. Yeah. I just didn't. It's okay. I've, I've, I've heard it. It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you? The best piece of advice someone has ever given me. I don't know. I mean, mm. I can think of a very good piece of advice that I was given by someone when I, st- I started recruit training and it was don't think about how you're going to survive the next six months. Think about how, how am I going to get to lunch hour or if that's too long, how am I going to get to the end of the next hour? If that's too long, how am I going to survive the next minute, the next mm. second break yeah. every task and I guess this is applicable to anything in life into manageable time increments. Sure. Yeah. For me, you know, I just, I just took up CrossFit. So, and it sucks. It's, it's, I mean, it's good, but it's, it's tough. And for me, you know, when we're doing our workout at the end of class and I'm like dying and my heart is, you know, bumping (laughs) 5,000 reps per minute or whatever. I'm like, all right, let's just get through this one set. All right. The next set. And, And exactly. I think, any any daunting task, if you just take it one step at a time, you know, what's that saying, you know, the, the journey of a thousand feet starts with one step or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah, I think that's a good, good, uh, good words to live by. If, uh, if you're just hanging out at the end of the night, you're, uh, you know, watching whatever's on Netflix or drawing or whatever, what's, what would be your go-to like late night snack? Oh, I love popcorn. Okay. There's never a bad time for popcorn. Okay. What kind of popcorn do you like? Like what kind of topping do you put on it? I like to make it on the stove. I have one of those hand crank things. I think it tastes better than microwave popcorn. Okay. Butter. And then you can get those seasonings. You can shake on it like cheddar or sour cream and onion or Mm. all dressed, which is a Canadian flavor. I don't know if Americans have anything that's all dressed. I can't really explain what it is, but it's really good. Yeah. No, you and I have had this talk a couple of times about all dressed potato chips. And I was like, I don't know what they look. They are, but they sound great. They're so good. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. The last question I got for you tonight, Liv, is if you could share a meal with one person dead or alive that you've never met, who would it be and what would you order? Ooh, well, I think I would want to take Bill Watterson, the creator of Calvin and Hobbes, out for supper. Oh, okay. Okay. He was a huge, huge influence in my life in general, both in my style of humor and also trying to have a positive sort of philosophical outlook on the world. Okay. I like that. What would you guys go have? Oh, you know what? I like sushi. We go to my favorite sushi place. Okay. Okay. That's a good choice. What, uh, what kind of rolls do you prefer? Like what, what would, if you had to give like your top three, what would it be? Oh boy. I like it. I like spicy salmon. Anything with spicy salmon would be good. Um, I like, I really like all sushi. There's nothing I don't like. Nice. Nice. I've, uh, I don't know. I feel like I've developed a rut in sushi. I love, I love sushi as well. 
Um, but I always get like the same three rolls and then there's always like a wild card that I'll be like, all right, we'll try this today. We'll try this. And then sometimes I'm like, eh, it didn't really hit the spot. And sometimes it does. So it's, I gotta, I gotta break out that rut and try some new stuff. I always get a spicy salmon roll and a California roll. Those are my standards. And then I like to get a couple of ones that maybe I've never tried just to I'll expand my horizons. Mm-hmm. What do you feel? What do you think about like the specialty rolls that have that like, they're like basically the size of a dinner plate and you got like, Gotta break them into bites. Is that a is that a Canadian sushi thing too, or is that just Americans being big and Oh, we totally have those like the caterpillar roll where they line it up and it looks like a giant caterpillar or a dragon roll or whatever names that they may have. Yeah. And yeah, some yeah. of them are so big like you can barely take a bite out of them. Right, right. But they're delicious. And I oh, so I had a guest on the I don't know, a few weeks ago, and he was saying that he doesn't like those big fancy rolls. And I'm like, No, they're what? so so different and diverse, and that's what I like about them. Yeah, exactly. You know, just it's like one day I'm going to just like not eat and then I'm going to go to a big sushi restaurant and get the sushi boat and just see what happens. You know, the, the I think you should do it. I think it's going to happen. I just don't know when yet. I got to really plan when I when I know that I'm not going to waste $50 worth of sushi and then go for it. I'm going to give you a piece of advice. Wear a coat with a lot of pockets. Line your pockets with Ziploc bags. My brother used to do that in college. <laughs> nice, nice. My, I had a buddy. We would go, so where I used to live, it, small town, but we had a uh, Chinese buffet in the middle of town, which was walking distance from the high school. So we would go all the time. And my buddy would do that. He would take stuff and he'd put it in his pockets. And he goes, it's all you can eat. Not all you can eat right now. Yeah, I like it. That's a good way of thinking of it. <laughs> it's, it's, they don't it's, specify. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, then they're going to get, okay, you can only have like a certain amount. No, 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 they, they, you didn't say that. So. Is this like no shirt, no shoes, no service? They actually don't mention pants. They don't. They don't. They assume. And what happens when you assume? Don't assume. Exactly. Never assume. <laughs> exactly. Liv, this is awesome. I really uh, enjoyed talking to you. Uh, if anybody wants to check out your your cartoons or talk to you where do they find you and how do they chat with you they can look me up on instagram at thin blue scribble i'm always happy to hear people's stories i've received some absolute gems over the past couple of years so yeah have you ever taken someone else's like story and go oh i'm gonna make that into a cartoon yes yeah that's great that's great well uh i i appreciate your time this was a lot of fun and uh we'll talk to you soon It's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Everyone listening, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Back 
And uh, special thanks to my guest this week, Liv, a.k.a. Thin Blue Scribble. If you guys haven't checked out her page, go check it out. Go uh, go support her. Go follow her. Great stuff. Humorous and uh, just enjoyable. So, uh, once again, Thin Blue Scribble. Thank you very much, Liv. And, uh, hey, it's about to warm up in Canada, eh? So, uh, got that to look forward to, at least. And as we round third tonight and we head towards home, I, I want to talk a little bit about achievements and moving forward. You know, when I was younger, kind of coming up in police work, kind of getting my life figured out, I felt like I was on my own, that I was kind of facing all these trials and tribulations by myself. And here I am in my early 30s, realizing that that is so not the way life works. That's so not how I got to where I am. And and I, I sit back and I think about where I am, how I got here, and... All things considered, I'm in a very good place. I really am. I'm very happy with how things um, have transpired, how things have occurred. I'm very happy. Um, Again, all things considered, you know, things happen to everybody. Uh, I'm not, I'm not unique in that sense. Everybody experiences loss, heartbreak, tragedy, um, but the point is, the the resilience and the strength that I like to think that I have is in no way a coincidence. I surround myself by very strong people and very motivated people. And there comes a point in your life when you notice that the people that are in your life that you keep around you have that same drive or purpose. Or maybe they don't. And that's when you realize that you're around people that do nothing but bring you down. And it's important for us to notice that. We we need to figure out what our why is, what our what is, and who's around us. Because no man is an island. You know, when I when I was coming up, you know, I've always been a big Batman fan. I've always been a big uh, Burn Notice Michael Weston fan. And I've always had the idea or the... Um, thought, you know, of like a a warrior doing things by himself, pushing through. One of the most iconic scenes that I have in my head is Batman in The Dark Knight Rises uh, going out of the, the hole that he's in, that he's placed in the prison, and he climbs himself up. Now, yes, that is uh, quite literally he's by himself, but if if we go ahead and apply that to everyday life, if we apply that to any kind of trial, tribulation that we may face, which I do, I kind of equate the two, you think of everything that kind of got you to that point and you get out of the hole. I know I I have. And I was reading a a Facebook memory from last year and I kind of likened it to uh, leveling up in a video game. And when you level up, for those of you not as video game minded, and I, I am, I'm not a gamer or anything, but this is an easy analogy to think of. When you level up in a video game, you 
you know, you get some new attributes, new skills. Uh, some of your stats reach a certain point. But that means that new enemies, new obstacles are approaching. You know, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be tough. And if you want to level up again, then you need to you need to take what you have and be able to beat what comes in comes ahead of you. Now, when I posted that a year ago, I didn't realize how difficult life was going to get. And it it knocked me down a few times. It definitely did. But I'm here. I'm here and I've uh made some strides in the last week to uh be very happy with where I am. And not only that, but optimistic towards the future. Now, it, it could very easily Life could throw me another curveball, and uh, I'll swing and miss, and I'll be back down, you know. But, I've said this before, you survived every one of your bad days. Every every battle you've lost, you've ultimately won, because you're still here. I don't know. It's a little deep to end such a such a uh, positive episode, but I, it's just something, literally, as I, as I was walking here to sit down at my desk and record this part. This is what came to my mind. So all that being said, guys, think about that. Think about all that. Keep uh, everybody around you. Realize that they serve a purpose one way or another, and you're not going to get through this alone. Uh, at the end of the day, you are the one that makes things happen, but it's okay to lean on those around you. Just make sure that they are the people that are going to support you, not bring you down. And that concludes today's episode, folks. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thank you again to live and uh, absolutely an amazing time. Next week, we have my buddy BC Sanders from the South, and we are going to be talking about gangs. That's right. It's uh, it's a great conversation. We kind of went off on one, and uh, so it was another long episode, but I don't think you guys really minded all that much. The music today, the 10 theme song... And then we had Years in the Making by the Arkells, which was uh, requested by Liv of Thin, Thin Blue Scribble. She said Def Leppard, and then we were both like, mm, maybe not. And then we wrapped it up with a Canadian, another Canadian band, The Planet Smashers, Life of the Party. And we're going to wrap it up with Bo Burnham's Art is Dead. Uh, I thought it was a nice tie-in to the seriousness of what I just ended, and also uh, art being uh, the operative word there we'll be back next week guys thursday as always also if you got a chance go to back to basics pod b-a-c-k-2 t-o basics p-o-d on instagram it's a new podcast i'm doing with my buddy henry we uh we released the episode last week it's it's not police related it's uh it's a good time so check it out and uh, if you could listen to the episode episode one pilot to co-pilot and uh we'll be doing episode two very soon in the meantime though rate review subscribe this podcast share it with your buddies check out my merch store and anything else guys thank you so much take care of each other stay safe we'll see you next time 10 8 out this next song honestly is not funny at all but uh it helps me sleep at night Dead. Art is dead. Art is dead. Art is dead.
entertainers like to seem complicated, but we're not complicated. I can explain it pretty easily. Have you ever been to a birthday party for children and one of the children won't stop screaming because he's just a little attention attractor when he grows up to be a comic or actor? He'll be rewarded for never maturing, for never understanding or learning that every day can't be about him. There's other people, you selfish asshole. Must be psychotic, I must be demented to think that I'm worthy of all this attention, of all of this money you worked really hard for. I slept in late while you worked at the drugstore. My drug's attention, I am an addict, but I get paid to indulge in my habit. It's all an illusion. I'm wearing makeup, I'm wearing makeup, 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 makeup. Art is a dead. So people think you're funny. How do we get those people's money? I said, our art is a dead. We're rolling in dough while Carlin rolls in his grave. His grave, his grave. The show has got a budget. The show has got a budget. And all the poor people, way more deserving of the money, won't budget. Cause I wanted my name and lights. When I could have fed a family of four for 40 fucking fortnights. 40 fucking fortnights. I am an artist. Please, God, forgive me. I am an artist. Please don't revere me. I am an artist. Please don't respect me. I am an artist. Feel free to correct me. A self-centered artist. Self-obsessed artist. I am an artist. I am an artist. But I'm just a kid. I'm just a kid. I'm just a kid. Kid. And maybe I'll grow out of it.